0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman, Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. Uh, glad to see all of you here. Appreciate it very much to see you here. Appreciate all of you having fellowship back there. It's good to see that you're enjoying one another. Wow. I want to put you to sleep, so if you can come on up here and join us during the sermon, and then you can chat afterwards as well. So today, I want to talk about one of the most interesting topics in the whole church. One of those topics that people are just so enthusiastic about, I think this is going to go really well. You're wondering, what's that topic, brother? And... uh when I say these three words, I want you to register your initial reaction. Ready? Not those three words. (laughs) Ready? Corporate prayer meeting. Corporate prayer meeting. What's your initial reaction? You you don't have to share with me, uh, in the 17 and a half years and the many years beforehand, some of the reactions that I expect, someone might be feeling guilt. Oh, man, I should go. I'm not even sure if they have one anymore. And if I go, is it really going to be worth it because I've got to travel all the way from Northbrook or I'm coming from Bartlett or I'm coming from Naperville? That might be some of, some of the people. Um, some of you, corporate prayer meeting. Glaze means nothing to me, man. I'm not going. It's not really that interesting anyway. And when you go there, we're in the dark and it's just kind of like long. You might not really be interested. My my uh, corporate prayer meeting experience has been interesting. The first church I went to after I became a follower of Jesus, you had to go to Sunday church morning and evening and then Wednesday prayer meeting, that was part of the covenant. That was the very church that kicked me out. I was excommunicated because I stopped following the covenant. Of course, I was going to another church at the time, but I didn't know that you're supposed to tell them that you were leaving. I got excommunicated. But they were prayer meeting every Wednesday night. They'd get there. They'd sing. The, the pastor would give a 45-minute message or so. We'd pray for about five minutes. They'd have a closing song, and that was it. That was prayer meeting. The next church I went to was even more interesting We'd meet on Wednesday nights, the pastor would start, he'd pray for probably about the first uh, 25, 30 minutes or so, by, and then I mean this, when I'm sitting there, boy, he prayed for 30 minutes straight, and we're all just sitting there, and then his wife went for about 10 or 15, and then he finished with another 10, and that was prayer meeting, and then I worked for a Korean church, you know where I'm headed, first prayer meeting, absolute chaos, screaming, shouting. Two guys I think were having a competition who could be loudest. And I said, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? This is craziness. This surely can't be what prayer meeting is. And so prayer meeting just has a whole bunch of baggage. Baggage, I think, for people. And it's a real struggle for us. But I have to say this much. I think it is probably one of the most important prayer meetings. I mean, one of the most most important, meetings that a church can actually have. Because it's the family coming together and saying, God, we actually need you. I'm very envious of Brooklyn Tabernacle. They have their prayer meetings on Tuesday nights in the middle of the week, a really ugly evening, but they have thousands who come out. And I always dreamed of being part of a church where thousands would come to prayer meetings. Of course, I'm no Jim Cimbala, but but the thought that there's so much variety in what happens with prayer meetings. So this week, as I was thinking, because it's not really an interesting topic, what is it that I can do to like kind of develop a sort of enthusiasm in people that would say, you know what, I want to actually pray for this church, not by myself, but with other people. And so I thought about it this way. How many of you are parents who have kids who don't have to come home for holidays? Somebody, please. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> the four of you sitting here, raise your hands, be proud, be loud. You know, I. Uh, when you get to that place, imagine on Thanksgiving, if you had three kids or five kids like I have, and only one of them comes home, right? How great that would be because you love your children and exciting to have that one there. But where are the other four? There's someone else. And for me, who really enjoys my family, to have the whole family there together to experience this holiday is so much greater, even though as great as it can be with just one. And so I think when God looks at us, because we think like individuals in our Christianity, when we think we, we come to God as children, and it's awesome. It's me and my father, alone time. And I love spending alone time with uh, my children. But when you get the whole family together, it's just a different flavor. And it's so much more deeper. And there's so much more joy. And I really think that when God looks at us, he sees us as individuals. He sees us as his children. And he wants to draw us to himself. But when he sees the whole family together, I tend to believe that there's a greater sense of God's joy when he sees all of his family coming together and asking for his help. So I hope that's what grabs you. If there's anything, well, there's several things I want you to get, but one of the things that I want you to get today is that sense of, wow, what would it be like when the family just comes together with one heart, one mind, and says, God, we need you. So let's open our Bibles or your iPhones or just look up on the screen, and we're gonna look at Second Chronicles. Once again, uh, this is the third time as a church that we're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to look at it again next week. How much can you get out of this? But I think we can still get out a lot. And here's what it reads. I'm going to read this for you. After this, which is Jehoshaphat's backstory, and after the news of an approaching vast army coming to destroy Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat was shaken, alarmed, terrified by this news of an invading army, and resolved with a sense of urgency to beg the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. When they had gathered together, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. "O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this vast army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So the thing I want us to catch today is this. Through the story of Jehoshaphat and his people, God invites us as a community to pray together in our time of need. In other words, God wants us as a family to come together and pray for this family. And stories all over scripture show about how the community comes together seeking God. Now, in this passage, I see an actual progression from the focus being on Jehoshaphat to ultimately the community. Look how it works. In verse 3, it says this. He was shaken, alarmed, and terrified for obvious reasons. An invading army has come to destroy them. Then he's begging God to help. He's resolving in his heart, I will not give God rest until he answers my prayer. But then I wonder if in this time period where he's praying by himself, he begins to realize, I'm not the only person in danger here. There's a community that is in danger in here. And so what he begins to do is he calls everyone together. He says, listen, family, listen, people, I'm not the only one in trouble. We all are. When these guys come, they're not coming just for me. They're coming for everybody. And so we need to get together. We need to talk about this. We need to pray. We need to seek God. (coughs) So the people come together, as it says in verse 3, all the way from Jerusalem and Judah, because they all have skin in the game. They gather together in verse 4, a time of seeking God. And ultimately, in verse 12, as they join With Jehoshaphat, they all say this simple prayer, God help us, we're in trouble. So when we see this progression, what I see is instead of the lead pastor or the elder board saying, hey, let's all get together and let's pray for this church, the realization that everybody's in trouble. If this church fails, this church fails and everybody goes to the four corners of whatever and the intensity of that burden makes them want to say, this is not just about us. The church is not about any group of people, the smaller group. It's about the whole church and its needs. And so what we learn from this, from Jehoshaphat, is we are all in trouble. So how does this guy pray? He prays in such a way that he is heavily burdened. So I did a little math. I'm going to surprise you with this wonderful math equation. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so good at math. One plus one equals two, or the intensity of our need equals the sense of urgency. Let's be honest now for a moment. When you heard the news, and I already asked Eugene to share this, when you heard the news that Eugene was having bypass surgery, who do you think felt more of a sense of urgency? You, who heard the news, or Eugene? Anyone want to give a guess? All right, somebody, just go ahead. 2 I'll give you three guesses, the first two don't count. Go ahead, Audrey, since you're sitting in front. Ben, you're still here, though, bro. <laughs> Luckily, she's a little closer. Go ahead, sister, three guesses. Okay, that's one. No, 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 three guesses. Keep, seeing, keep saying Eugene, and you'll be right. <laughs> Eugene, Eugene, you, yeah, Eugene, right? I mean, he's got to be sitting there thinking this could very well be the end. I might not live through it. The man is praying with a sense of urgency, don't you think? Now, we're all sitting back at home doing our own things that we're supposed to do, and we may be thinking the same thing, but we don't have the same sense of urgency. You see, the intensity of our need will equal the sense of urgency. Jehoshaphat is praying with a real sense of urgency. The end is coming no ifs ands or buts we are helpless we are powerless this army is too big it is too vast god we cannot do this there's a burden that is there let's be real again which worries you more your personal finances and struggles or the churches if we're going to be honest I don't think you wake up in the middle of the night, sitting there sweating, going, oh my goodness, something's going to happen at the church. There's not enough there. Because in reality, you're looking at your own and thinking, what happens if this happens? And I'm not going to be able to pay that bill. This affects my immediate family. This affects my life. That sense of urgency that we have to pray. And so what we realize then is, I think, one of the reasons why we don't pray together is because we don't have that sense of urgency for the church as a family. I'm not saying that you don't pray for the church. I'm not saying that you don't care for the church. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is the burden that we have for the church isn't as intense as the burden we have for ourselves. <clears throat> and that is absolutely understandable. It is not wrong. It is not bad. It is not sin, it is reality. It's just real but I think God wants to create in us a greater sense of urgency for the church that we are a part of. The community that we are called to reach, whether it's Asian American, ethnically, or geographic, this area that surrounds us, or some other group of people that God may bring into our lives. Now, also look at how he prays. He prays with a sense of confidence. Now, even though verse 12 sounds like a not confident prayer, when Jehoshaphat says, God, we don't know what to do, help us. What he's really saying is, I really don't know what to do, God. I have no clue, but I'm confident that you do. And I get that from chapter 18, when Josiah is seeing all of these people coming towards him to kill him, and he cries out and he says, God, help me, I'm about to die. And it's that confidence after God has delivered him that Jehoshaphat can come and say, listen, guys, we can have confidence that God will deliver us. (coughs) I think it would have been interesting to see how God saved Jehoshaphat. I don't know if it's suddenly these guys, I know that they stopped, but what was it that stopped them? Was it a clarity or something? Was a path opened? I have no idea. All I know is what Jehoshaphat came back. He was confident and he went around and told his people, God answers prayer. And now he stands here (coughs) with a sense of confidence to be able to say, hey, people, I don't know what to pray. Could you imagine when a pastor gets up before you when an elder board gets up before you and says, guys, we don't know what to do. Not in today's world, right? Y'all, Yeah, we're running businesses, and you don't know what to do. Why are you leading the church if you don't know what to do? But there's a confidence in Jehoshaphat. Hey, God, we don't know what to do. Help us. We're in big trouble. <coughs> but I know you're going to answer. And he prays with this confidence because he knows that God is good, and he knows that he loves his people. You see, through the story of Jehoshaphat and his people, God invites us as a community to pray together in our time. of need. <coughs> Excuse me. By the way, this is tea, just in case anybody's thinking. It is this confidence that when we pray together as a community, that there's really an excitement that begins to grow. Let me give you an example from our church life. In October of 2021, as we were in a prayer meeting, before we prayed, we said, you know, what's the burden that we have for our church? And it came up that, you know what? We don't really have a lot of young adults. I think at that time we might've had Amanda Kim, Joel, and uh, Yoon Sun. Three of the finest people you could ever meet, right, brother? It's your birthday this week, Wednesday, so don't forget to wish Joe happy birthday on Wednesday. We've got to pray for young adults to come to the church. Now, How many young adults have come to this church since October of 2021? I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask you to stand. So I'm going to say young adults, anyone from the age of 19 to I'll say 31. Does that count? All right, go ahead, stand up. If you don't stand up, I'll be forced to point you out. I'll be forced to point you out. Nobody even here longer than that. Okay, so what an answer to prayer. No young adults have come since then. (laughs) They're all with youth group. Okay, that's fine. There's a lot of them and they're not standing for a reason. Maybe you're not supposed to call them out. And I just did. Please come back. Um, Don't tell Pastor Dave I called you out either. And there are a whole bunch of you sitting back there with families. You see... If I prayed that by myself, and then I stood before you and said, see all the young adults here? I prayed for that. We'd miss the point. Because the reality is, it's God answered a prayer of his people who had a need. And now we have seen God bring those people to our church, and we're seeing God grow an older church to become a younger church. Because you know what the reality is? One day our church does need to pass on not only our faith, but our church as well. See, if you don't do that in a community, nobody knows. There's no excitement. There's no reality to think that God actually moves. Because, you know, another reason why we don't pray is because God sometimes, as we look at that and we think, is God really moving? Why is it so slow? I mean, even in our own personal lives, there's a struggle to pray because God moves in his time and not in our time. <clears throat> and yet in this instance, we see the joy of praying together in community. Think of the Old Testament. When ancient Israel was sitting in the middle of Egypt, and they're groaning under their oppression. And I can imagine their prayer is, God, Joseph told us that we would be free one day, but we sit here in our oppression. We're being beaten. We're killing our children. Please respond. Do something. And I can imagine them thinking, we'll never, ever get out until one day this guy walks out of the desert and says, My name is Moses. God has heard your cry and he is ready to rescue you. Imagine what the people felt after years of groaning when they crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 15 and they looked back and said, Egypt is in the rearview mirror now. Can you imagine the excitement they felt? Of course, mind you, there's a whole bunch of mess that happens in between. But the excitement of a community coming together. Imagine the disciples, the night that Jesus died, where did they all go? Like roaches in the light, right? Man, they fled, they took off. And I'll be honest with you, I might've been, I'm I'm slow running, trust me, I can't. But that night, I bet you I would've let them. I would've been that fast. I'm out of here, man, I'm scared. They lived in fear They're afraid of going out in public. Even though they gather together and they pray, they're still afraid of going out. And they're praying as a community, at least 120 of them. And then on Pentecost, bam! Suddenly, these fearful people are standing up in public and saying, the only way to know God is through Jesus, this Jesus who you crucified, and you crucified, and you crucified. That's a really positive message, right? Don't you kind of like to hear that message? You killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. What happened? A community came together and they sought God in their time of need because Jesus had told them, guys, I'm going to send you out into all the world. Now, I'm looking in hindsight, but I have to imagine I'm sitting in that meeting and I'm going, yeah, whatever, okay? This guy ain't going nowhere. I'm too comfortable, bro. And yet, that community coming together and seeing God work. So what we come to in the end is this, and I'm getting ready to land the plane here in all honesty, is that God invites us (coughs) as a community to pray together in our time of need, especially when the odds are completely against us. We may not see it right now, We may not see some of the things that are going on, but I can tell you, our church is in crisis. Relationships, broken, struggling. Marriages, broken, struggling. Some on the edge. Finances, good, bad, not sure. Build out, capital campaign, all of these things that God is stirring in us to reach the community. There is a great need that the community has. It's not a maybe when someday it happens. It's here. And it may very well increase. So I want to finish with this. I want to give you three things that I think we can and should do. (coughs) Number one, act now. Do something in response. So if you leave here today and nothing happens or changes, all I am is a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal which means useless, nothing, nothing happened today. And I don't want us to leave because I really believe that the crisis is coming. And when it comes, I don't want us to be surprised because it will affect the church in some very deep and profound ways if we're not ready to do what God wants us to do and we need to do it. And so to prepare ourselves, we need to be praying and asking God, we may not know what to do. There are a lot of options here, but we want to do what you want us to do and we want to walk in that. And so let's act now. Second thing I would encourage us to do, and this is an acronym, choose your companions to carry your burdens. Now, let's be honest. How many of you here today have the time to travel from where you're coming from for a one-hour prayer meeting once a week? How many? Don't raise your hands. Because as soon as that person raises their hand, the rest of us are going to judge them, and rightly so because we're all busy, right? Some of us working 60 to 80 hours a week with families, and you're, and you're looking at me going, bro, and you want me to come out on Wednesday night <coughs> to drive all the way from wherever that you're coming from? Now, of course, if you're in Schomburg, a little less excuse, but a lot of us live from different places. I remember when Ed used to come out from Naperville on Wednesday nights. Like, bro, that's crazy. But there's a solution, and I think the solution is this. Pick up the phone, whether you use FaceTime or not, and I'm not trying to exclude all those in Google Pixel and all the other little uh, uh, smartphones that you have, but you can actually choose two or three people that you can look at and say, you know what? Let's get together once a week for 20 minutes to just pray for our church. So what we've done, what I've done with a few people, which is easier because I had a team already in place, is every Wednesday night we meet for 20 minutes, and we pray the 20 minutes, sometimes 23, we go over a little bit. It's crazy, I know. But we pray for our church. What are your burdens? What's on your heart? What's going on? Now you say, man, I I don't know if I have the time to do that. If you are married, you have a prayer partner right there. If you are single, I don't know how you don't have time to spend 20 minutes to actually just call someone up and say, hey, let's pray for our church right now. Pick your companions. Pick your time. Carry the burdens. And when you come, come with a burden. Don't just come. My struggle is that when we get together and we pray and we just talk about praying or we talk about each other, it's not as important or effective as I think of actually coming with a burden that's already on your heart. You say, bro, I don't have a burden for the church. Then there in itself lies an issue. And it's not to make you feel guilty, but to stop and slow down and think. What does God want to do in me and in this church at this time? I'll be honest with you. I do not look forward to prayer meeting. Did you hear that? I do not look forward to prayer meeting. More so than staff meeting. (laughs) Sorry, Stan. But it's not one of those meetings that I sit there and go, oh, I just can't wait to get together and pray. This is why I say get companions. Because I have to gander that most, if not all of us, At some point in the week, we'll actually pray for the church. But the call is not to pray for the church. The call is to pray for the church together with other people. It can be one other person. I prefer triads. Our group is a little bit more than a triad. We're like a double triad. I don't even know what you call that. But it's a group of us who get together and say, this church matters. And even though we might not feel like we want to be here and there's other things to do, we're actually going to take the time to pray. And the last thing, the T part, talk with one another. One of the reasons why we don't like prayer meeting, I think, is because when you think about it, it's a lot like my second church. Some people get in there and they have their quiet time. Haven't prayed all day. You get into prayer meeting and they spend the first 10 minutes and they pour out all their burdens for the church. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay, after minute three, you lost me. And you're no longer praying together. And so I have a sheet back there. And if you want it, I want to hopefully help people learn how to pray together. Because if you go to prayer meeting, it needs to be a conversation. Not your quiet time. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting? How about this, a conversation? Let's say we have a conversation right now. What do you want to talk about? You want talk about kids? Okay, let's talk about kids. All right. So you start the conversation, and you say, hey, you know what? I have three kids, and they are Ev, Iris, and Lila, right? That's great. Hey, did I ever tell you about my uncle? And then you go, your uncle, yeah, you know what? I, I think i got to work out. I'm getting a little flabby. Well, I mean, you wouldn't say that. Maybe I would say that. But either way, I'm not trying to say, is that a conversation? Not at all. It's two people talking at each other. And when we gather as a prayer meeting, we spend so much time with our own agenda that we don't really listen to what people are praying around us and continue to pray on the same thing. One of the things that I like about a lot of the people who who join us is that when we pray, they actually say, Father, I agree with that. And that's really neat, and let's pray for this too, on the same topic. See, we don't like to pray together because we're not really praying together. We're actually praying by ourselves. With a group of people around us who are listening to us. If they're even listening to us. And so my encouragement is to act now. Act now, the first part. Choose your companions to help you carry our burdens, not yours, but ours. And then talk with one another. I think our church needs to pray together. I am not Jehoshaphat, not even close but I do well enough know to understand that we are in this passage for a reason. One, to learn how to listen to God when we pray. To talk with him. Not just talk at him. Or talk to him. But to listen. And not just to do it as an individual because our Christianity is individualized. We can look at a passage like Jeremiah 29, 11, and what do we hear? We hear, what wonderful plans I have for you, a future to bless you. How many of you have ever said that to someone on an individual basis, in some way, shape, or form, to encourage them that God has a purpose? Come I raise your hand. How many of us? Okay, we probably all have, right? That God has, or even heard it and used it for ourselves. Guess what? That verse is not to you. When you read it as an individual, you think it is, but it isn't. It's God speaking to the nation. To the community. And if you were to speak to the church, you would say, church. I mean, the reality is, in our culture, we think about ourselves. When, who did Jesus die for? Well, Jesus died for me. That's our first initial reaction. Well, okay, get, guess what? We're all saying that. But Jesus is saying, no, I died for all of you. The community. What's that one song, just by the fly here, that one where you're like, he was on the cross and he thought of me. Above all, right? Come on, man. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't think Jesus is hanging on the cross and going, oh, that Le I love that guy. I, I'm just, come on, really? Because we've individualized it. And I think what God is saying to us is this. I love my children. I love you as my child. I want to draw you, but I also want you to know this. I have a family and I want to see my family come together and seek my face, seek my hand of favor, and find that I am good together. Not alone. Not in your silos, but together. We're in a spiritual war. Could you imagine if God said, okay, there's the hill that we have to take. There's about 300 of us, and there's only about 30 or 40 of them, but let's send people one at a time. All right, you first, Ben, go. Okay, what's going to happen when he runs up the hill? Oh, but you know what? Okay, he didn't make it. So, okay, Ron, you're next. Okay, now you, Carol. Could you imagine if we all charged the hill together? Different. God invites us to come together and pray for us. Let's pray. Together. I'm just going to give us a few moments of silence. before I do, just a few quick questions. You can answer this in a minute and a half that we'll give for actual silence. Am I really burdened for this church? And not want you to feel guilty just to feel guilty. I just want to ask the question. If not, how can we change that? And do I really want to get together with people would be another question. And then finally, who can I actually get together with? Because God wants his family to come together. So let's take 90 90 seconds or so, and then I'm just going to ask you to think through those questions or something else that might have struck you about praying, praying for the church. And then I'm going to pray for us, and then encourage you to begin thinking about who you can actually pray with this week and weeks following. And like Jehoshaphat, we come together, as a community right now, and I would just ask for all of us here that you will help us to have a Eugene-type sense of urgency before heart surgery for this church. I recognize that this might be a good place to be, a nice place to hang out with friends. Catch up, to talk, to do a whole variety of things together. But this we lack in some ways is this coming together as people in need to our Father who can actually meet our needs. And so I pray what happens here today is not just 30 minutes of some guy talking on and on, but that you begin a movement led by your Spirit in our hearts. Fed by the scripture over and over again Where you call your community together To seek your face To actually seek your face And to seek your hand of favor And to do something in us That changes the world that we live in It doesn't have to be all across the globe But the very community that we live in That people Within a mile radius right now Some are struggling financially And don't know how they're going to make The next payment for the bills we don't know how they're going to feed family members. Who think it's easier to be dead than alive. Who find joy in things that are actually slowly but surely killing them. This is the community that we live in. And even if you don't live in this community, the community wherever we go has so many of these problems. And you know what, God? We just don't know what to do. We don't want to just pray, oh God... Be warm, be fed, and go your way. I pray, I pray this church comes together as a family and says, we will stand together. We will stand before him. We will seek him. And together, we will see the hand of our God move in a way that influences the world in which we live in. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. If you're interested in getting help to be able to uh, pray with a group of people and actually enjoy it, which I think that you can and, and will, I do have a sheet with filled with tips here. If you want to come up, they're absolutely free, um, but I would encourage you to come and get them. And then I want to encourage you to really seriously act now. Find one or two people. On a weekly basis, you can just sit down and say, Let's, what's your burden about the church? What's bothering you? It could be whatever is on your heart, whatever your mind, and just pray. So let me just close with this. As the Holy Spirit fell upon the church at Pentecost, may that same Holy Spirit that lives in us today fall upon us in a similar manner, that we may not only seek God, but also see his hand of favor and bear fruit in us,